this is Yolanda Villa, host for the Unfiltered Wife podcast, where we have unfiltered conversations. Today's guest is Kylo Traver. She went from a homeless single mother to multiple international award-winning CEO, author, and speaker. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, so tell me about your background and how you became homeless. Yeah, so I grew up in a fairly strict religious family. I got married young. And it ended up being an abusive marriage. So we were together for about seven years and then separated. And it was after the separation that things got really bad. And that's how I ended up homeless with my two young daughters Mm -hmm. um, after leaving him. And then um, we were homeless for a little while here in Australia. And then I sort of focused on my work a lot. What I was doing, I was doing a lot of writing and blogging and and that sort of thing and managed to um, found a company, start all over, moved to Canberra where my family were and sort of rebuilt my life. So yeah, it ended up being okay, but it was, it was rocky there for a while. Um, did you always do blogging before or something that you started after the separation? Oh, I started during the marriage. So I set a goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. And that was predominantly because I was unhappy in the marriage. And I sort of, I felt stuck uh, because of the upbringing that I'd sort of had. I felt like I had to try and make this relationship work. And I felt if I could create more money within the, the, the family that, I would be able to do better at it and that uh, we would have a bit of a better lifestyle and things wouldn't be as stressful, if that makes sense. Okay. And so I started blogging about ways to make and save money and my goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30 and I landed a book contract and I got public speaking mm-hmm. and uh, it boosted my confidence a lot, which is where I sort of started to see how bad the relationship was, okay. if that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it sort of prompted me to, yeah, review review my life and make some changes in that. And I, yeah, it's funny. Blogging is sort of the reason why I was able to leave the relationship. Was it just your way out? Is it, is it the mindset that you had while you were blogging or? Yeah, it was a combination of things. So because of blogging, I, um, yeah, like, as I mentioned, I got the book contract. I also got um, freelance writing contracts and that. So I suddenly had income that Mm -hmm. uh, was sort of mine and he didn't really view that income as anything it was, he just saw blogging as my hobby sort of thing. So it wasn't a threat to him, if that makes sense, until I won my first award. But it was through blogging that I also started going to conferences and speaking at conferences and things and made this whole community outside of the marriage that I was in. Uh, because I also, I lived interstate at this time from from my family and from all the people I'd grown up with. So it was basically like my, my husband and the people that he knew. Okay. And so it was quite quite isolating at the time and yeah through blogging I met all these other people and they were all like wow you're amazing and I love your stuff and I love what you're doing and then when I won um best international personal finance blog that's when I've sort of gone huh okay no I'm I'm good at what I do I enjoy what I do and having met all these people my relationship's not right like things here are not not right and yeah it sort of gave me the confidence and and support too because I knew all these people all over the world would support me and they've stayed my friends like we met in you know 2011 sort of thing and I'm still friends with these guys today yeah 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 so it sort of yeah it gave me that community and confidence to go and I also know that um you also have some health issues you had to overcome yes yes so after overcoming you know the homelessness and um during that time I was robbed of everything including my underwear so I literally started with nothing wow Uh, I rebuilt founded a company and then uh within was it within a year of founding so not even a year and I ended up paralyzed uh, I got up one morning and my back just seized up and I couldn't walk 
and I was blacking out from, from the pain. So when they talk about the pain scale, like on a scale of one to 10, 10 is where you physically black out because you can't handle the pain. Right. Childbirth is an eight. So I was having level 10 pain, blacking out. This went on for months and they couldn't work out what was wrong. And then in the middle of it, uh, I was 30, I just turned 30 and my mother had actually passed away when she was 37. So in the middle of all of this, my doctor's like, well, we're testing for everything else. Let's just test for bladder cancer as well. Because if you're aging, the age your mom was and stuff and I've gone, all right. And we thought that would come back negative and it came back positive. And so, yeah, I had, I, in the middle of all this paralysis issues in that, I had to have an operation. They removed some polyps and I don't have the cancer that my mom had, but I have other, other health issues that I, I need annual surgery for that. But yeah, so that sort of went on on for months and then, yeah, I sort of overcame that as well. And it, it has come back once and I was, again, last year paralysed for about two months, um, had a lot of issues walking and, and all that sort of stuff. And at that time, the neurologist actually said that it was permanent, that I was permanently disabled. The myelin sheaths that cover your nerves, mine were damaged mm-hmm. and that the pain and everything I was in was going to be permanent. And I... Um, broke down obviously when I was told that she actually told me that I should go on like disability payments and I just I refused to accept it and I refused to accept that that's that was going to be my life and yeah I managed to within a few weeks um of after having dealt with those health issues for a couple more months um after a few weeks after I've decided nope this is not how it's going to be uh yeah I'm fine and touch wood haven't had issues since that's so. great and how did you feel with the you being a single mom like with your kids and then your businesses and everything how do you manage yeah it was intense so I was actually seeing someone the first time okay. uh, so back in 2015 when I turned 30 uh, I had just started seeing someone and so he had to go from being my new boyfriend to suddenly being you know like the dad for my kids my full-time carer like just doing doing everything sort of thing. My family were incredible. I'm one of nine children mm-hmm. and also we I grew up Mormon, like my dad's still a bishop and, and that sort of thing. So um, I had, living in Canberra at the time, I had all of them. I had one brother and sister were picking up my kids to take them to and from school. All my family were dropping off meals. One of my sisters came and cleaned the house once a week for us, that sort of thing. So I had a lot of support. And uh, one of my other sisters looked after my daughters uh, regularly throughout this whole time, um, even when I had to go overseas for conferences and stuff, she's generally the one that I call up and go, can you help out? And, um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm fortunate that way that I've got an extensive family network and community and that that help a lot. And, um, what do you, what advice do you give to women with abusive marriages? Like what been through all of it? I guess it depends. It's depends on where they're at. Not everybody realizes how bad their relationship is until mm-hmm. they're out of it. Um, and it's sort of when you're in the middle of it, it can be really hard to see. I generally recommend uh, getting some counselling and that sort of thing. Um, if you can, with starting that within the relationship, documenting everything that happens so that you have proof of all of it and making a plan to leave, but being really cautious about that because statistically the most dangerous time for a woman leaving an abusive relationship is when she goes to leave or has left. Uh, that's actually generally when you know, they'll get severely hurt or in in Australia, we've got more than one woman a week who's been killed because of domestic violence. And that's the point that it's happening. Generally, most of the time it's after she's left or she's trying to leave. So be really safe about it, like stash some cash and clothes and that sort of thing. It's somebody else's house. Um, Any research that you need to do about like shelters or any help that's around, do it from someone else's computer 
or do it at the library or something like that. Do not do it from your phone or from your laptop because the chances of you having um, software on your devices that's tracking you and tracking everything you do is really high. It's actually become a severe issue for a lot of shelters. They're um, wiping phones for women, like they're meeting them elsewhere, wiping the phones and then bringing them to the safe house because it's such an issue now with social media and that sort of thing. It's so easy to track people. So just all that sort of stuff and making sure that realize that you're, you're worth it and you've been made to feel that you're not, but you do have value. And even though you might not have connected with some of your friends in years or your family or whatever, because they, you often get isolated within a, an abusive relationship, they probably still want to be there for you. Right. And if you reach out that they, they will be there for you. Don't worry how long it's been or how bad things might've ended. Just, just know that there is still support out there. Right. I always say that, you know, regardless of any situation, your family is always going to be there. It doesn't matter how bad you got or how far, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, with you, with, when you were, um, you know, going through all this after leaving the, um, relationship, how did you mentally motivate yourself to keep going? I know your kids, you know, must've been a big thing, but how do you improve your mindset? It's, it was, it was difficult, especially because I had, I had mental health issues, particularly during the relationships, a lot of depression and I've been on antidepressants at different times. Um, and that sort of thing. So it's not like I was coming from a healthy mental space, but I came across this quote, which is, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. It's by Carl Jung. And that changed my life. I would repeat that over and over and over. Like I, I would be sobbing on the floor in the bathroom and I clung to that quote because I needed that quote to be true. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at the situation I was in and I couldn't accept that this is how my life would be forever. Like it, it had to get better. It, just, it, it had to and it was up to me to make that happen. And so obviously having my daughters was a huge motivation because I needed to make a better life for them. And that's a big, big difference, having two little people relying on you. But ultimately, yeah, it has to come from within. And so I also did a lot of steps. Like I had a vision board. I write my goals in permanent marker on my mirrors. I write affirmations on my mirrors. I repeat them regularly. I changed the screensaver backgrounds of all my devices to relate to my goals. I changed all my passwords and I changed them regularly to to be based on whatever goal it is that I'm working on so that every time you're talking... (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's it's just, it's a psychological reminder. It's you put those reminders everywhere mm-hmm. and then it, it means everything that you're doing is a little reminder and a little prompt to sort of, you know, just keep going, just keep going. So it was, yeah, lots of little things like that that helped. That is great. Um, I've seen that you have been on the news, on TV. Um, how do you, how do you do that for yourself? Someone that, you know, did you have a background? Like, I know, were you working prior to the marriage? Do you just say, Hey, I'm going to go out there. There's no failing. I need to do this. Pretty much. Uh, just go do it. Uh, so I was, I dropped out of school in year 11. I dropped out. Uh, I went on and did hairdressing. That was my background before I got married, but I got married at 19 and had kids like pretty much straight away within sort of two years sort of thing. And so there wasn't a lot of um, time beforehand. I did have my own hairdressing business for a while, um, sort of at the early stages of the marriage. But, yeah, basically I started blogging and then, yeah, got asked to do uh, publish a book with Wiley. So I, I did that and that resulted in a lot of media exposure and so then I had to do that. And then when I was going through the relationship breakdown, I it took me a while but I got to a point where I realised 
I had to share what was going on in my personal life because, uh, well, it, it mattered. It, it was my life, but also I knew that other people would be going through the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when I started writing about that and sharing that and doing public speaking on that, it opened everything up because not a lot of women can talk about it. I mean, it's quite a traumatic thing to go through right. but because I was already seeing a psychologist during this time. Uh, I had had the support of my family and that sort of thing. So I felt more comfortable being able to be open about it. And yeah, so it was just a matter of putting myself out there. Every time that I got asked to be in the media, I said, yes. And and I did it. And so the more you do it, the more experience you get. I've actually, I'm actually getting filmed for TV straight after this today. So (laughs) yeah. And, And it's cool because I don't have to pitch it. They always ring me up and they're like, we're doing a story on, you know, homelessness or we're doing a story on welfare or we're doing a story on ways to make and save money. Can we talk to you? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's good because most of the time now they come to and film it at my house too. So I don't have to like go anywhere or do anything. It's just, yeah, but it, it is, it's just a matter of putting yourself out there. Um, do what, well, like you say that right now, um, they come to your home. Is there any tips you give to women, um, like scheduling, you know, with kids and then doing their careers or jobs? How does that work out for you? What tips do you have? Uh, my first tip is to throw out the idea of work-life balance. Uh, to me, the idea of balance is like you're walking on a tightrope and at some point you'll fall. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to balance everything in your life. What you need to do is prioritize and decide what it is that you want in your life and then make it all work together. So for me, uh, family first, always. That's how I was raised. That's how I've done everything with my daughters. I will turn down work if it's going to, you know, adversely affect my family and that sort of thing. So it's always, they, they come first always, which makes all other decisions a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you decide what your priorities are, what your core values are, it becomes a lot easier to make those decisions. I make sure that I get to bed on time. I pretty much gave up watching TV. Uh, I read a stat that the average Australian watches, I think it was like 15 hours of TV a week. Mm-hmm. Like if you just cut out TV that's a lot of time yeah. <laughs> that alone. And, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah. And it's, and it's looking at that, like recognizing where you're wasting your time. I think a big issue for a lot of people now is, you know, Facebook, Sophia, that sort of stuff. So you can actually install things such as, oh no, I can't remember what it's called, that they block certain websites for periods mm-hmm. of time. So when I'm working on my laptop, I go, you know, I go, all right, Monday morning from 9am till 12, I'm writing. You know, and so I set up on Chrome, I can block Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like everything for that period of time. Yeah, you can't access it. Like it is blocked. It is locked down until the time that you've set for it to to be reopened. So that means I have to focus on what it is that I'm doing. So things like that, working in time blocks, I have found works really, really well. Focusing on one thing at a time. I think we too often try to multitask and it's, it's not effective. It means we're doing everything sort of like a half or a quarter of, the capacity mm-hmm. that we could do it in right. and it takes us so much longer. There's tools such as Trello, which can help you, you know, sort of work it out and schedule it and all that sort of stuff. There is um, Toggle, I think it's called, where you can track your timing for how long you're spending on different things, mm-hmm. uh, which can be really good, particularly for clients and that sort of thing as well if you're writing for them and, and that sort of stuff. Outsource whatever it is that you can. So, you know, get a cleaner if you, if you need, like get a gardener, uh, we get HelloFresh delivered. So um, HelloFresh is a food delivery sort of thing. Um, 
and it just makes life so much easier. Like just removing a lot of the decisions in your day to day. I have a very simple wardrobe. It's very basic. I know what I'm wearing every day. I don't have to think about it. It's get up, wear that same thing. I've got like five outfits, bang, done. (laughs) Those sorts of things. So looking where you can eliminate decisions. And then, but the biggest tip, the one that every time I speak at and mum sort of go, oh, is make your kids work. Yes. Look, our kids can use iPads. They're like two years old and they're using iPads. Basically, your kid can use an iPad. They can use the washing machine or the dishwasher or the vacuum cleaner or whatever other appliance it is in your home. They are capable of doing it. So my daughters are nine and 10 now, but for the past few years, they've been able to do everything in the house, even like, you know, clean the toilet with bleach. They can do it all because I've taught them. No, it's not always perfect. Sometimes I walk into that bathroom and go, you did half the bathroom. <laughs> and you know have to get them to do right. it but the fact is like we need to teach our kids these things because we've got there's life skills classes now for kids because the parents didn't teach their kids how to boil an egg like right. at home like those are basic boiling an egg sewing on a button like <laughs> cleaning the toilet like teach your kids to do that and then it has the expectation that they'll do it as being part of the home right like, I completely agree with you on that <laughs> yeah I actually got a standing ovation at the last thing I spoke at when I said that. And I was just like, are you kidding me? No one else in that room was making their kids do stuff. Like you can actually look up online and they'll tell you what tasks different ages can do. But I would expect that most kids by the age of nine or 10 should be able to do everything within the home. Like I was chopping wood when I was nine years old. (laughs) Right. When we were younger, we were doing things around the house. (laughs) Like, Like my kids were talking about it the other day. and I was like, oh, I said the chores around our house were like, you know, we had to mow. I said we had this drain that if this drain wasn't cleared out, it would flood the bottom of the house. I said so that drain had to be, you know, like scooped out and all this sort of stuff. I said chopping the wood, stacking the wood, like, you know, setting up the fireplace. Like we had a big block of land and that sort of stuff. And my kids are just looking at me like, what? I said, you live in a tiny two-bedroom apartment. What I ask you to do is hang the washing. Like, <laughs> you're washing in the dishes and the house is done. Like, you know, I said that's nothing compared to, you know, a house for nine children. Like a house right. for nine children's huge. Yeah, that, that's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, so those those are the main things, I think. Yeah, like get everybody else to do it. <laughs> yes, so, I always say that delegate. Delegate your stuff. Do your grocery shopping. Exactly. If you could do your, you know, lawn, your kids can help with everything. If they're, like you say, of a certain age, they can help. They can do chores. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is very little in your life that you can't delegate. Yeah. Basically. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so finances, I know you talk a lot about um, finances. Um, what do you recommend for someone, you know, like, you know, in that same situation, how do you do it? How do you balance it? Yeah. So do you mean as in the situation I am now as a single mom or the situation I was in before when I was like homeless? Homeless. Or both. Yeah. Both. Okay. How do you, how you get from one place okay. to another? Yeah. Right. I'll run through it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, when I was preparing to leave, uh, I sort of had to set up a secret account. The first time I set up the secret account, he actually found out and forced me down to the bank to close it. And it went really, really bad and was quite scary for a while, but I, I did it again. Mm-hmm. And I started, um, I did a few things on the side whilst he was at work to get cash money. Mm-hmm. And I put that cash money in there and I hid cash elsewhere. Uh, there was one time that he also found the cash and that was, that messed me up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, like I, I had my budget worked out. I was looking, I knew how much um, rent would cost. I knew how much all the bills were and everything. Cause I, um, sort of arranged all of that at home. And, um, so knowing what all your expenses are, knowing what your income is, I knew when I left how much I would get from welfare, which helped. And I knew it wouldn't cover my expenses. 
So I had to work out ways to make extra money. So I started, you know, buying things to resell on eBay. I was doing haircuts on the side because I had my background as a hairdresser. I was doing online surveys. I mean, this is going back, you know, what, seven, eight years type thing. So it's, it's, well, it's a while ago where I was starting all the preparations for this. But, yeah, I started doing all of that and just making sure I was saving everything that I could save into a high-interest savings account. Then when I left, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had enough to sort of help a little bit pay bond for a house and, and, and move. But I also researched heavily um, and I had friends that helped me to know what was available in terms of welfare, charities that could help, um, all that sort of stuff. I didn't access all of it, but I was aware of it. Okay. I was... I was a little too proud at that point, basically, to get the help that um, I should have gotten uh, because I didn't want people to know. I was doing public speaking about finance and I had published this book with Wiley about finance and that sort of thing. And so I didn't want to be like going to the charities asking for help sort of thing. Like I felt really embarrassed about that. So one of my tips is to not be embarrassed. Like if you're in that situation, the point of the charities there is to help you. Right. Like don't, don't be afraid to go do it. And also statistically, there are a lot of middle and upper income women who end up in this situation. And then all they've got is, you know, the Mercedes or the BMW, for example, plus the kids that have nothing else. And they get really worried about going to the shelter or to the charity order with that car because they're worried about being judged. So I think if we as a society can sort of be aware of that, and also if you're in that situation, be aware that, you know, like, that's okay. That's, that doesn't matter if that's where you're at. That's what you've got and that's what you've got to work with. So after leaving, I still continued like focusing on my budget. I looked at every possible way to make extra monies, um, including um, at that point, I think I started doing more freelance writing. I reached out to all my networks going, these are all my skills. This is everything I can do. What work do you have? Sort of thing. And just started doing all the work possible that I could um, particularly in, in the early time, like when I was homeless and that I had, my daughter was going to a preschool two and a half hours a day, mm-hmm. uh, cause I couldn't afford childcare. That was the government, the government one. I had my other daughter at home. They needed to go to speech therapy three times a week. Uh, the speech therapy cost more than my rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was all quite, yeah. Yeah. Every spare bit of money I got went to them. I actually went without food so that I could pay for their speech therapy because it was that important to me, um, that they got the help that they needed and that sort of thing. So it was, yeah, really, rather than focusing on, I think we often get into the the lack mindset and focusing on how much we don't have and, oh, my gosh, how am I going to pay these bills and all that sort of stuff, I instead really focus on how can I make more money or how can I save more money and making sure that throughout that whole time that I was putting away at least 10% of whatever came in, 10% goes to saving sort of thing. And then as my income got better, and my situation got better and that sort of thing. I started investing in shares and looking at how I could make my money work for me better. And mm-hmm. now I have like a couple of businesses and shares and, and that sort of thing. And I split my money a little bit differently now to what I did in the early days, because in the early days it was very much about survival. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's more about um, lifestyle and wealth creation. So now I have a set amount that we live off and then there's a set amount that I invest and a set amount that I save. So it's sort of structured differently. Yeah. But the general idea is still that, you know, like I'm still looking at ways to increase the income and make sure that I'm saving and that sort of thing. But um, one of the biggest things I think that a lot of people miss, particularly when they're in the tough situation is that they don't put away for a retirement or they don't save any sort of money. And the thing is that even if you're putting five or 10, $20 a week away, that compound interest over time is going to make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. So I did, I did an article recently on this about how you can be a millionaire, even as a single mom. 
And what it comes down to is compound interest. So it was based on, I think, someone in their mid-30s or late-30s or something and putting away, you know, $100 a week sort of like saving and that sort of thing. And basically by the time they retire, they'd be a millionaire, Mm. well well over a millionaire type thing. And that was with doing nothing extra, just saving that money. And I think think we forget that small basic, whereas if you just consistently save money, like pick an amount and save it every week, and continually put that in a savings account or whatever, it will continue to grow and you don't have to do anything extra. But when you keep redrawing on that, that's where the problems come in because you're never actually saving properly. Right. So yeah, sort of like set it all up and forget. (laughs) What's one advice you wish someone would have given you? And it can be about business, you know, marriage or, you know, life in general. One of the things I focus on with my daughters and that I really, truly try to instill in them is, a focus on confidence. I really lacked um, confidence and my self-worth. Um, I had fake confidence when I was a child and a teenager and that sort of thing. And I wish, like, I wish somebody had told me that it's it's my choice. Like, my life is my choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, because I had my mum die when I was a teenager and my dad remarried quickly and that sort of thing, I sort of feel like in my really formative years there as a teenager, I missed out on that. Um, mm. that sort of support that you would normally get from your mum, if that makes sense. It's, you know, right. as, as a female, it's usually your mum that will sort of like really help build that confidence in you at that stage and reassure you and, you know, help you when you're getting bullied and all that sort of stuff. And I sort of feel like I, I missed that. And so with my daughters, um, from a very, very young age, I've made it clear that whatever they ask me, I will answer honestly. I really encourage their confidence, reiterated that, it's, you know, it's your body, it's your choice. Mm. I sort of feel like I missed that memo a little bit when I was younger um, and it resulted in some really bad situations. But, yeah, it's sort of that, yeah, that I'm, I'm worth it and my life is my choice is what I wish I had really been taught properly. That is great. Um, is there anything else you would like to um, tell our listeners? I think the biggest thing is to, to really think about the life that it is that you want and the lifestyle that you want to have, the legacy that you want to leave and make the changes to make it happen. And it doesn't need to be big changes. Uh, it can be little things like I, this year I decided to really focus on myself and what I want to do. And one of those things has been getting up before my kids mm-hmm. a little bit earlier so that I can do yoga. And that actually set the tone for the whole day. And I'm much calmer and that sort of thing. And so it's not like you have to do massive changes, but work out what life you want to have and what you need to do to make that happen. That is great. Well, thank you for chatting with us. It was wonderful. Your story is inspiring. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this Unfiltered Conversation brought to you by the Unfiltered Wife Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please visit theunfilteredwife.com.